This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the MLB Extras Tigers podcast. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, joined by Jason Beck, who is back from Las Vegas. Uh, Beck, I hope he didn't get too wild and crazy in Vegas. I hope he didn't come back with any tattoos of Miguel Cabrera on your forearm after a, uh, a long night on the streets of Vegas. No, you know what? I avoided that. Um, you know, there was some discussion about maybe getting the Jordy Mercer tattoo, but I couldn't quite remember the details of what he looks like. So we, we put that <laughs> off. For... Next, next visit to Vegas, I you know, maybe we'll get that, depending, yeah. you know, depending on uh, the state of mind at that point. Yeah, let's go through the get to know you period with Jordy Mercer before we uh, commit to ink. But for those who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, if you go to Tigers.com, there's a story up there about a uh, – a gentleman in Venezuela who had Miggy Cabrera uh, tattooed on his forearm. Incredible, I mean, incredible detail on this tattoo. It looks like a, a photo, you know. Um, so, but uh, yeah, Beck is not as committed as that particular fan, but he was committed to covering the Tigers at the winter meetings, and uh, there were some doings going on there, including the Jordy Mercer signing. Uh, we talked before Beck. Obviously, they were looking for a, a veteran stopgap at shortstop, and they found him in Mercer. Yeah, they uh, you know they were looking for a strong defensive shortstop to help out both the young infield and what's probably going to be a young pitching staff, and they were also looking for some some uh, leadership capability in there, and they were able to find them both. Um, you know, it was interesting. Mercer said on Monday, I think it was on MLB Network Radio, that the uh, Tigers had interest in him from the start and kind of targeted him. So, you know, I know the Tigers had a medium-sized list of of shortstops in that tier, but we were surprised that they moved on Mercer so early. You know, the sense that I got, and I think a lot of other other people got at the end of the season, was that they might wait this market out and see who's out there uh, after the holidays and maybe try to, you know, either save a little money or get a more favorable deal on uh, on getting somebody. Since you know, realistically, it's a you know, it's a stopgap until Willie Castro or, or Sergio Alcantara are ready. But uh, they didn't wait on Mercer. Um, you know, and Mercer was the first shortstop in that second tier or middle tier or whatever you want to call them of in that group of free agents to sign. So you know, kudos to Al Avila and Jordy Mercer for finding a match and not making us wait around for it and actually doing something at the winter meetings. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta respect that uh, because it was a fairly dull winter meetings overall. Um, so yeah, good for the Detroit Tigers for, for making a little news there. And they made a little news in the rule five draft. They did add a reliever in the major league portion of that draft, selecting Reed Garrett. Uh, now he tops out at a hundred miles an hour. Who doesn't anymore, right? Um, but that's uh, obviously that's uh, there's there's value in that for another hard thrower. Twenty five year old gets an opportunity in this bullpen, perhaps. Yeah, it's it was an interesting pick because we had them tied to all sorts of different names, and there were a lot of 
relief type arms who are available in the rule five. I mean, as you know, it's, yeah, that, that's really one of the easiest areas to take a rule five player and stash them because you can kind of pick and choose your spots where you use a young reliever and the Tigers have had success with that in the past, you know, thinking Alfredo Ledesma, Chris Sperling, um, you know, a couple other guys like Daniel Stump more recently, but uh, you know, Garrett's, he wasn't listed among the top prospects available in the rule five. I think because up until this past season, he really had, yeah, no offense, but a fairly middling uh, minor league career. And then this past season, he, he really kind of found, um, you know, the strikeout rate was high. Um, you know, the uh, fastball velocity picked up. He like. um, you know, he allowed um, 6.1 hits per nine innings. Uh, strikeout rate went up to 9.7 at the double-A level. Uh, he did have some struggles once he got up to triple-A in the Rangers system. But um, all in all, you know, the move from starter to closer, which happened in 2017, really paid off for him in 2018. And the Tigers kept an eye on it, and they – ran it through their uh, new analytics system and decided that, uh, you know, especially once Riley Farrell, who was also highly rated, you know, the Astro system, once he went to the Marlins to pick before, you know, they, uh, they took their shot on Garrett. So the Tigers uh, have a couple low profile, lower profile acquisitions there at the winter meetings. They got some business done there. Uh, still some unfinished business, of course, in this offseason. And, and probably the chief talking point as it pertains to the Tigers moving forward is do they trade Nick Castellanos? Uh, what does the market look like for Castellanos at this moment back? Obviously, there's the free agent market itself is flooded with a lot of outfielders. So it's kind of difficult to get a read on. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Al told us uh, at the, near the end of the winter meetings that they have had teams checking in and expressing you know, some level of interest. Nothing really serious right now, and um, I don't know if there is going to be anything that picks up on that front, maybe until the, the outfield offense market sorts out a little bit. Yeah, I get the sense talking right you know, talking with some people that once Bryce Harper and uh, Manny Machado, but more especially once Harper signs and then some of the uh, next year free agents sign after that. That's really when you get a better idea of what the market is on Castellanos and whether a team is going to be, you know, feel enough pressure to add some punch offensively to give up the prospects that the Tigers are looking for, uh, you know, to trade him. I think the Tigers are perfectly, you know, Vila said he's perfectly content to either hold on to Castellanos until next July run a trade deadline, or if they don't get anything there, even play out free agency with them, make a qualifying offer and, uh, you know, and, and let them walk. Hmm. Although, you know, depending on what type of 2019 season Castellanos has, I think there is a risk in the qualifying offer because, you know, it, it's probably going to be, you know, at the rate that these, that it's been growing in recent years, you know, it's probably going to be close to twenty million for on a one-year deal, and Nick could take that and still hit the free agent market at age twenty-eight. He's currently on track to hit it at uh, twenty-seven. 
And how about second base back? Uh, obviously, they've they shored up shortstop with Mercer, but uh, still some question as to who his double play partner will be in 2019. Yeah, it, I, I think ideally, you know, it, it's not a must have, but I think Al would Avila would like to get a second baseman and you know get a veteran second baseman for one thing to give Dawo Lugo, their top prospect, there some time to develop at Triple uh, A, work on his play discipline, work on taking a few more walks. But also to, to put Nico Goodrum in that super utility role where I, I think Gardy would like to use him uh, more regularly rather than having to put him at a set spot like he did for most of the second half of last season uh, between, you know, mainly at second base, but he also played some shortstop. But essentially he was an, an everyday player. And I think with his versatility and with the – folks the Tigers are going to have around the infield, especially thinking first base with Miguel Cabrera needing a break here and there, and John Hicks also batting right-handed, that Goodrum could be the type of player that Gardy gives close to regular playing time without a regular spot. You know, he can move around the infield. He can play the corners. And with that switch inning bat, there's some value in there because they still need some left-handed punch somewhere. The Tigers have rounded out their rotation uh, with Matt Moore and Tyson Ross this winter. And uh, the thought that came to my mind back was that they had a, the Tigers had a great rotation in 2013 and they're trying to repeat that, you know, having another great 2013 rotation. But uh, obviously th- those guys could be uh, strong bounce back candidates, but I, I did, it did catch my eye that Ron Gardenhire, a veteran skipper, you would think uh, kind of an old school type. He's open to the idea of using the opener in 2019. That's something that came up in his press conference at the winter meetings. How how likely do you think it is that the uh, Tigers do that next season? Um, I'd be surprised if they start out with, with a spot like that. I think, you know, the chances are more likely, um, you know, given how the rotation shakes out and given so many injury questions, that the opener would be an option if they're short a starter and they need somebody to fill in. I find it interesting from the standpoint of, of, of Daniel Norris specifically. I, I think that's a role where you could piggyback him with a long reliever or another starting candidate, say Spencer Turnbull, and uh, you know gets a regular starter, regular start out of a combination of two pitchers like that, because Norris still you know while he did get the extra innings, the Tigers were looking to get him between winter ball and that Japan tour, he never really got stretched out. I think the longest he pitched in the Dominican, I don't think he even went five innings. Uh, if, if he did, it, it would have been like once. I think he was more in that you know three or four inning range more often than not. And part of that's just the way that they use pitchers down there in the Dominican, uh, especially early on in winter ball. They try not to abuse arms and, and get guys at a higher risk of being injured, you know, because they, they count on keeping these guys healthy and they count on having major league teams trust that they're going to take care of these guys. Uh, so while Norris comes into camp with, you know, you know, with some confidence that he's healthy, he's still not stretched out. And, and so it, it could be a little bit of a project to get him stretched out again for, you know, really what's going to be the first time since, gosh, uh, I mean, 
early in the 2018 season, but more realistically, probably 2017. It's the last time he's been legit stretched out as a full-time starter. All right, a lot of intrigue there in Detroit, growing intrigue as we head into 2019, and Jason Beck is all over it for MLB.com. Beck, thanks for doing this, and we'll talk to you in the new year. Yeah, uh, happy holiday, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, we'll talk to you in 2019. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.